So if you have your Bible there, please do turn with me to Genesis and chapter 26. Starting reading at verse 1. This is God's word. There was a famine in the land, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to your father, to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. I will give your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked about his wife. And he said, She is my sister. For he was afraid to say, She is my wife. Because he thought, lest the men of this place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass, when there had been a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw that there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously she is your wife. So how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I said, lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And they had filled them with the earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there, But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, And we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba. 
And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with Ahuzathath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? But they said, We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, Let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, since we have not touched you, and since we have done nothing but to you but good, and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another, and Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. It came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug, and said to him, We have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was 40 years old, he took his wives Judith, the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Basma, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. And they were of grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. Amen. We thank God for this reading from his truth. Well, before we think about it together, let's commit our time to God in prayer. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we praise and thank you that you are faithful, that you keep your promises. And we thank you for this passage, which tells us of promises you made to Isaac, promises which are also true for us today. And so we ask, O God, that you would help us Help us to understand what you are teaching your church. We pray for the help of the Holy Spirit. Give us alert minds and give us believing hearts. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. My father, my dad, is a big music fan. Uh, Something I've inherited from him Uh, It's actually one of our themes today, inheriting something from your fathers. One singer-songwriter who was played very often in our house and in the car is a man by the name of Harry Chapin. Now, I don't expect you to have heard of of Harry Chapin, uh, but you might be familiar with one of his more famous songs. It's called Cats in the Cradle. You might have heard of Cats in the Cradle. It's a song about a father and his son. The son loves and emulates the father. He wants to be just like his dad. And the father, well, he doesn't always have time for the son. There's work and there's business trips and different things going on. The song tells of how one day the father knows he'll find time to be with his son. And then, as the song goes on, we hear in the second part of the song about how the son grows up and the son moves away. The son becomes overtaken with his own family, his own family life. So that when the father phones him up, the son doesn't have time for the father. And the song ends with the heartbreaking line of the father saying about the son, 
he's grown up just like me. My boy is just like me. It's a bit of a tearjerker for some people, perhaps. But I'm sure it's something we can all associate with. That desire for children to be like their parents. Like the boys and girls, you'll know this. Boys and girls, don't you? you? Maybe it's farming. Maybe it's sport. Maybe it's baking. Maybe it's just something in, in, in the character of your parents. Maybe their courage or their determination. There are many ways we want to be like our parents. And parents, you probably know this. You see this in your children. You look at your children and you see yourself. In a thousand different ways. Sometimes really good ways and sometimes not so good ways. Things are passed on from generation to generation. Some things are just picked up. Things that we don't even expect, perhaps. Even things like a love of obscure 1970s singer-songwriters. Today, as we read this story about Isaac, you might have been thinking, I've heard this story before. It's deja vu all over again. Actually, this is very similar to something that happened to Abraham in previous chapters of Genesis. In some ways, it's a sequel. It's the story of Abraham retold with Isaac in his place. Abraham's fingerprints, his shadow is all over this chapter of God's word, but especially at the start, especially what Isaac does with his wife in the, in the land of Gerar. Isaac inherits so much from his father, we could say Isaac has grown up to be just like his dad, both the good parts and the bad parts. In Hollywood, you know, you could imagine them making a movie about this. They would refer to this as Patriarch 2, the son of Abraham. And you know why they make sequels in Hollywood. They would make it because there's a formula there. It worked the first time around. They don't have to spend a lot of money on writing a new script as such. They don't have to recast. They just put a two on the end and hey presto, there's another box office smash. More money into Hollywood. But that's not why the author of Genesis would write a sequel. But there is a reason. There is a reason why this is recorded in the Bible. It's not to sell more copies. So why is this chapter here? It seemed that we'd moved on to Jacob, didn't it? We saw about Jacob and Esau last week. But now we're back with Isaac and Rebekah. I think the message of the Bible to us today is actually a very simple one. I think it's something we need to know and it's something that we are always quick to forget. So we need reminded of it, but it's simple. The message of the Bible to us today is that through the generations, our God is faithful to his covenant and to his people. Through the generations, our God is faithful to his covenant and to his people. That's what we've just thought about with the boys and girls, isn't it? And I'm sure you noticed as we read this passage that God repeats and reaffirms the covenant promises that he made with Abraham in chapter 12. He now repeats them with Isaac in chapter 26. If you look at verses 2 to 4, the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. 
Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And then God adds something for Isaac that he didn't say for Abraham. Because the promise for Isaac is based on the fact that his father, Abraham, obeyed God. It's grounded in the fact that Abraham had placed his ultimate faith, hope and trust in the Almighty God. So that eventually, in the end, when all is said and done, despite his faults and his flaws, and Abraham had plenty, we looked at them last year, In the end, God could say about Abraham, verse 5, Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. And so the question running through our minds must be, is Isaac going to follow in the footsteps of his father? Is he going to display trust in God and keep God's charge, commandments, statutes and laws? Or is he going to go the other way? Is he going to follow in the sinful ways of his father? The times when Abraham trusted himself and not the Lord. Well, we actually see both in our passage, don't we? We see both in our passage today. We see that Isaac followed Abraham in all the wrong ways. The times when he trusted himself and failed to trust God. Then we also see that Isaac is like Abraham in the right ways. And as you would expect... These are times when he does trust in God. But all through it, we learn that God is continually faithful. Through the generations, our God is faithful to his covenant and to his people. First of all, I want us to think about the wrong ways in which Isaac followed Abraham. You can tell from the passage this this is what happened the the famine in the land caused Isaac to begin wandering and he starts heading for Egypt it seems in the Bible Egypt is the place where there's always food but he stopped he stopped by the word of God and we're told instead he dwelt in Gerar now Gerar is the home place of Abimelech And you might remember that previously in Genesis, Abraham had stayed in Gerar. And while he dealt there, there there was a man called Abimelech. We don't know if this is the same man or if it's a family name that is passed along. But we are meant to think back to Abraham. During that time in Genesis chapter 20, Abraham pretended that his wife, Sarah, was his sister in order to protect himself. And that had dark consequences. And so we fast forward a number of years and here we have Isaac doing exactly the same thing. He follows in the footsteps of his father. Verse 7. The men of the place asked about his wife and he said, she is my sister. Exactly what Abraham said. She is my sister. For he was afraid to say, she is my wife. Because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebecca, because she is beautiful to behold. And so we see the sins of the father being repeated in the son. 
And it's only a few verses after this amazing promise that God has made to Isaac. Here we have Isaac following Abraham in all the wrong ways. He fears for his own life. And out of that fear, he's willing to sacrifice his wife. Do you see how a lack of trust in God leads to sinful behaviour? And it puts people in danger. Now this isn't something that Isaac has licked off the floor. This is a pattern of behaviour that he's inherited from his father. Abraham did the same thing with Sarah. In fact, Abraham has done it twice. And so out of selfishness, a failure to act in protection of his wife, and therefore a failure to trust in God's promises and God's protection, Isaac repeats the sin of his father. He tells the lie that Rebekah is his sister. Can we pause on this point for a second? I think it's important to note for all of the parents among us, all of the grandparents and indeed anybody, anybody here whom the young ones in our congregation might look up to, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, let me ask, what example are we setting for our children and young people? Are we setting examples of trust in God? Or actually through our words and actions, are we somehow teaching that we should trust in ourselves or trust in money or trust in many of the material possessions that we might have? Are we teaching our children that it is important to have bigger, better, faster, stronger? Houses, caravans, farm machinery, shoes, wardrobes. What are we teaching our children? What are we teaching them about the way that we engage with social media? The way we engage with the news. The way we engage with politics and culture in our country. Are we teaching our children that these are the things they should trust in or are we pointing them to Jesus? What do we teach our children about their academic achievement? Their schooling? What about success on the sports field or through music? Are we demonstrating trust in the things of this world? Or trust in God who made the heavens and the earth. Not everything that we teach our children will come out of our mouths. Not all of the teaching is done in Sunday school or family worship. Lots of what our children learn is not even deliberately taught. It is caught by our children as they watch the way we live. Isaac learned from Abraham he learned that trusting in deception through selfishness and lies was easier than trusting in God and his covenant promises. I know this is a challenge for us. I'm speaking to myself here. In so many ways, I have two boys and they're picking up things from me that I would rather they didn't. I don't want them to see the fear that I have of other people. That lives in my heart. I don't want them to see me compromise with the world instead of trust in the promises of God. I don't want them to pick up from me any love of the things of this world over and above Jesus Christ. 
So friends, I think we all need to acknowledge that while we long to be role models for our children and young people in this church, well, we're all going to fail. We're going to fail at it. We're not good enough. We're weak. We're sinful people. So what we really need, what we really need to model is a trust in Christ. A trust which can repent when we have sinned. A trust in Jesus for forgiveness. What we really need to say to our children and young people is don't follow me, follow Jesus. Compare Jesus with Isaac here. Isaac was willing to give up his wife, to lose his wife because of the fear of man. He was willing to have Rebecca taken so long as Isaac kept his life. Jesus. Jesus came from heaven to seek and to save his bride. We sang about that last week, didn't we? For her life, he died. Though it was perfectly within his rights and power, Jesus is the God of the universe, but he didn't save his own life. He gave it up for us so that we, his bride, might receive blessing and honour along with him. So let's point our eyes to Jesus. Let's point our children and young people to Jesus, who for our sake was willing to give up his own life on the cross. And when that is the case, when we do that, I think we're doing for our children what Abraham also did for Isaac, and that is pointing them to Christ. That's what Isaac did when he followed Abraham in the right ways. You see, despite Isaac's foolishness, God keeps his promises. God is faithful and he shows kindness to Isaac, even through the pagan Abimelech. From this point in the story, Isaac is blessed by the Lord in amazing ways. In fact, God blesses him so much with wealth and crops and people with, with the animals, that Abimelech sends him away. You can see that in verse 16. Isaac, perhaps he, he still has this word of God not to go to Egypt, still ringing in his ears. So he leaves Abimelech, but he stays in the valley of Gerar. He begins to reopen his father Abraham's wells. In a literal sense, he's actually following in the footsteps of his father. He goes around these wells, opening, opening them up, and he, he even calls the wells by the same names. But again, this causes problems. I'm sure some people here might understand this. There are people in this world who do not like to see God's people do well. And they will complain and seek to tear down when there is earthly success for God's people. But Isaac perseveres. He, he moves about. He, he seeks to find room in the land. Eventually, he digs a well that's not disputed. He gives credit to God for that. He moves and again, God is with him, just as God was with Abraham. You see this picture of Isaac moving around the land, traveling it. It paints a picture of how he's just like his father. But no matter where Isaac goes, what is God's assurance to him? You can't go anywhere, Isaac, but I will be with you. What an encouragement. Verse 24. Here he is in Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. 
I am with you. That is the great promise of God for all his people. As we follow in the footsteps of Abraham, God is with us. Think of the Israelites as they wander in the wilderness. They maybe were reading this passage about Isaac. No matter where they wander, no matter where they roam, they can know that God is with them. God is faithful to this promise. I am with you. Just as he was with Isaac, just as he was with Abraham, what a comfort. Well, friends, the same is true for us today. We maybe don't wander in the same way that Abraham did. We maybe don't live in tents. Our houses might even be on the same piece of land that your family has lived in for generations. But yet if we are God's people, spiritually speaking, we are wandering pilgrims. Just as Abraham was, just as Isaac was, just as the children of Israel were. Abraham was wandering to find a homeland, a a permanent home, a, a city built by God's own hands. So we too should feel strange and uncomfortable in this world. We wander, realising that the things of this world will never give us the satisfaction that we find in Christ. Realising that the things of this world are momentary and fleeting. But Christ grants us everlasting joy and peace. And that is the lesson that we pass on to the next generation. That while there are things in this world that make us feel uncomfortable, that is the way it should be because we are strangers. And while the things that we do often seem strange to this world, that's right because we are not at home here. We wander. We're like Abraham. We're like Isaac. But all the while we know and we teach our children to know that no matter how much opposition we face, No matter how odd we seem, God is with us. He was with Abraham. He was with Isaac who followed in Abraham's footsteps. And he is with us. He is with us through Jesus Christ. Jesus is also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so we might feel odd. We might feel out of our comfort in this world. But we know So long as we have Christ, we have all we ever could need or want or desire. If you want to know that, uh, I want you, sorry, I want you to know that when you live that way, when you live as if Christ is all you need, because Christ is all you have, not only will the children and young people pick it up and they will, but other people will notice too. Let me finish with this. Look at what happens with Isaac and Abimelech next. All of Isaac's success and perseverance is noticed. It's noticed by Abimelech. He had sent Isaac away, but then he returns now to Isaac and seeks to make a covenant with him. I think this is applicable to us today. When we live lives of trust in God, authentically Christian lives, genuinely relying on God, holding the things of this world loosely, then people will notice. People will notice and they'll be drawn to us. We might not have the material success of Abraham and Isaac, but that's not the issue. The issue here is you need to ask yourself, what do people see 
when they look at how I'm living? Do they notice lies and deceit and sinfulness? That's what Abimelech saw in Isaac in verses 9 and 10. Or do they see what Abimelech saw in verse 28? Look what he says in verse 28. We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. There is no doubt. There is no doubt that in Christ God is with his people. But do people notice that? Do others notice that the Lord is with you? Abimelech comes to Isaac with this clarity that something is different about Isaac. And surely if everything we've said today is true, if we do believe that we're strangers in this world, if we believe that we're following in the footsteps of Abraham, if we're holding loosely to the things of this world, if we are not greedy for money or power, if we're not proud or boastful, if we're not jealous or angry, if we truly believe that Christ is all we need, if we believe that, and I hope we do, well then surely people will see that there's something different about us. People will be drawn to us just as Abimelech was drawn to Isaac. And then... Well, then we have this clear and open opportunity to explain why. To explain to people this world is passing away. And unless you hold to Christ, you too will pass into hell and destruction. Unless we trust in something greater than this world. Something that can lift our feet out of this world. Unless our hope is in the great I am, the immortal, invisible God who made this world. Unless we're trusting in Jesus. Only then can we know that God is with us in Christ. And know for sure that he will take us to our eternal home. That is the truth that we hope to pass on to other people. Be they family or friends or neighbours or work colleagues. But perhaps with how the tone of, the tone of how this sermon started. Most specifically our children. And our young people. Our only hope is in Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us.